Well, hello world. Welcome to the Bearded Bible Thinker podcast. We are back. Last week I was out of here uh, most of the week, actually. I uh, spent some one-on-one time with my youngsters, so that was good. We did a lot of hiking and we um, uh, were able to shoot some targets and just hang out together and it was pretty cool. It's a good time. And nobody got shot. Uh, which is always a plus when you're working with young people who haven't shot uh, yet or uh, played around with that sort of thing. So uh, it was it was good. Uh, and, uh, you know, my two little fellows are shaping up to be some pretty good hunters, I think, uh, at some point. So, But it was a good time. It was good to spend some time with each one of them individually. And I would uh, more than recommend it. Uh, just say, go do it. Um, it's important. It's good for them, and and it's good to develop that uh, bit of the relationship. I think uh, for you, that one-on-one relationship. I know we have two boys, and they are with one another constantly, almost. And so that little bit of time with uh, uh, alone with one parent is is super uh, important and helpful. And it was just a great time. Um. And so, but, but, um, I'm back. So, uh, today the biggest news on the planet right now is of course the passing of the Supreme Court justice, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And it's a, it is a big deal. It's a, uh, a big deal. You, you right away, right. Begin to see, um, you right away begin to see this whole thing turn to uh, politics, um, and and it you know being real about it, it is very political. The the passing of this uh, lady, um, the some of the uh, it it turned. <laughs> Oof, yeah. So we we it turned into politics pretty quickly. Here are just some of the headlines specifically regarding uh, her passing. Uh, CNN. The Democrats' response to RBG's death uh, should terrify Trump. Um, The Guardian. Trump doubts Ruth Bader Ginsburg's dying wish, claiming Democrats wrote it. (laughs) Uh, NPR. Ginsburg to lie in repose at Supreme Court on Wednesday and Thursday. So that's actually not uh, politicized, which is refreshing. Uh, the USA Today, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg to lie in repose at Supreme Court for two days this week. Again, that's good. Uh, that's just information. Uh, the price for Ruth Bader Ginsburg's seat can, can't can be democracy itself. Uh, okay. Let's see. Uh, the New York Times. This should be fairly left-wing. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's Supreme Court's feminist icon is dead at 87. Okay, well, that's just... That's actually accurate reporting as far as the headline goes. Um, they couldn't even wait until Ruth Bader Ginsburg was in her grave, raves the Washington Post, which is, um, yeah. Uh, so it's it's just thing after thing after thing. A lot of these are um, political already and and rightfully so a lot of what you're going to hear people talking about is the vacancy that's there now right that that the supreme court 
ha- has a chance. Donald Trump has a chance as the president before, if if for any reason he doesn't get reelected, he's got the chance right now to make his last act uh, one that is a lasting act, um, and is uh, it's a big deal. Uh, but while at the same time the uh, the other side of uh, the coin, they've um, there was an article I think in the New York Times about it uh, that essentially there was a warning or a threat, I guess, uh, where um, if if the Republicans put someone in her in the the vacant spot that was held by Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was incredibly uh, left wing, incredibly. Um, on the sort of progressivist side of the how to interpret the um, uh, how to interpret the uh, Constitution, and um, so she was she was firmly left wing, um, and uh, had been her whole career, is my understanding, and uh, so. But but Donald Trump now is uh, obviously not left wing, and he has the ability to nominate someone uh, to the Supreme Court that's going to be more of a traditionalist in the way that they uh, in the way that they interpret uh, the uh, their role and their job and and the Constitution itself. So this is a big deal because of that. Um, but the Democrats have said that if he nominates someone and they get in, then one of the things that they're talking about doing, there are some technical terms for it, but essentially what they are threatening to do is if uh, uh, Joe Biden becomes President Biden and the Democrats take over that and the Senate, this go around, then they would simply um, vote in and appoint um, more Supreme Court justices. There, in in other words, the the um, uh, the number would move. They would make the number. I think it's nine now that there are, um, and they would change that to I don't know thirteen or fifteen or something like that. Something where they would essentially create their own um, majority, uh, which opens up a real can because. Uh, uh, all that means is that the next go around when a Republican gets in and the Republicans have control in this. Look, if you don't know your history, that's just how things go. Typically, they they go back and forth and forth and back. And so when the Republicans get in office again, well, they'll just put in 25 or whatever it takes for them to have the it's just it's a bad road to go down. It's a little bit nuts. Um, and and uh uh, but I get why they're saying this, because you're talking about uh, this isn't an elected position. This is a position that you you get nominated for, and um, you pass the little tests and stuff that they give you, and it, it is a position that... Um, it's a position that you have until you either retire or die, right? So um, this is in the case of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She was... Um, 87, yeah, 87 years old, right? And she passed away. And so that was her retirement, essentially. Like she had this uh, role in this position until she passed away. Um, and that's the thing. She's She's been in this role for uh, 30 years or almost 30 years or just over, I don't know the exact number, but around 30 years she's been in this role. And so um, you're talking about, uh, if if one side or the other has a majority, 
um, you're talking about uh, uh, a generation almost of uh, decisions being made in the Supreme Court for either a conservative view of the Constitution or a progressive, excuse me, a progressivist view of the Constitution, which, um, so if you're not familiar, a conservative view of the Constitution is essentially, um, it's how I study the Bible as well. It's um, you, you take what the writer meant in their context and um, you you then derive the meaning of that from their context, how they said it, what the the people at the time would have interpreted as saying, and that is what it means. Period. The meaning doesn't change, and that's that's the way that we study scripture as believers. And uh, if you have a progressivist view of the scriptures, you turn pretty quickly into kind of a heretic, uh, because you can make the text of the scriptures say whatever you want them to say in the time. Uh, that You go to Bible studies where people say, well, what does this scripture mean to you, right? Instead of, no, 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 what did it, what did it mean when it was written, and then how can it apply to you, right? So the progressivist uh, view of the Constitution and how they interpret the Constitution, um, that they've kind of had control for uh, at least my adult voting lifetime, right? They've had this this uh, control that they've had, and what we've gotten from that is um, a redefinition of marriage. We've gotten abortion. The killing and murder of an innocent human being uh, is... Um, normalized and accepted and a right, they're calling it, right? So you see some of these major things that are unbiblical that uh, that have passed because of, simply because of a progressivist view, um, the progressive view of the, of how to interpret the Constitution. Um, So it is a huge deal, um, this this would essentially, assuming that uh, Donald Trump, and I'm sure that that he will, it'll be a, a huge fight for sure. So buckle up if if you're if you think that the election stuff was bad already, it's about to get way worse. Uh, the fighting and the backbiting and the lies and the on either side or the other, it's, it's just going to get crazy. It's going to be a huge brawl essentially of words and. And accusations and everything else, because this is a huge deal. Elections, uh, uh, the presidency, the Senate, the House, these are all elections that happen every so often, right? And you can, if this guy or this gal does a terrible job uh, or doesn't do what you want, you can vote them out and real and elect someone else. But the the Supreme Court justices, it is not that easy. And so the the most lasting effect that any president can have during his or her uh, time in office is the appointing of a Supreme Court justice, because that appointment um, ends up being a a long-lasting thing. It goes far beyond their uh, their time in office. And so um, assuming President Trump nominates someone and assuming it gets through the Senate before the end of the year, before the uh, any of the actual voting, whatever, before the whoever takes office, if it's if it is, in fact, Joe Biden, um, then uh, then what you're going to see then is that the the conservative 
kind of viewpoint within the Supreme Court, the uh, strict constructionist is what it's actually called, uh, view of how to interpret the uh, Constitution, would essentially have like a six to three majority. Um, So you would like things like abortion that are not actually have nothing to do with the Constitution. It's a legislative thing that should have gone through the legislative branch, Senate, House, President, working together to develop laws. It has nothing to do with the Supreme Court, just like the redefinition of marriage, which, again, humanity doesn't have the authority to redefine anyway. You can call it whatever you want, but God is the one who defined it, who set it up, and he is the only one who could redefine it if ever he felt like it, and he won't. Um, So, But those types of things are meant to be handled in the legislative, uh, in the legislation, right? It's meant to be handled in the typical way that we would create law, not by the Supreme Court, who in my lifetime has done a lot of their own legislating rather than simply interpreting the Constitution and ruling on cases. They've, they've ruled on cases in such a way that it has created law, and that is not what they're supposed to be doing. But Assuming that things are going to continue to go down that path, and they probably will, because that's just how they function at this point in history, um, the the six to three uh, ratio, poof, it's it's going to be a, um, it, it would be a lot a lot different the way that their outcomes, the way that they would work. So, um, things like Roe versus Wade. Uh, would would not be up for grabs because it, it is legal jargon. There's a lot to they they won't take cases, you know, depending on the probability of you know it's it's really scientific and there's no reason for me to get into it uh, because frankly I don't understand all of it um, by any stretch of the imagination. But the point being, this has become a huge, huge, huge political deal. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is. Um, is has passed away at this point. Um, she was very much kind of left wing um, in her ideologies and in the things that she fought for and in the things that she ruled on. Uh, her her view of the Constitution was extremely progressive, um, and and what all the only evidence that I have for that kind of thing is. Um, again, the things that, that the Constitution doesn't say anything about, um, she was a champion for some of those things, that Roe versus Wade being one of them, um, in the sense that uh, those kinds of the, um, the gay marriage, the, the redefinition of marriage, um, I don't know that Ruth Bader Ginsburg was a Supreme Court justice when Roe versus Wade happened, but I do know that um, she was uh, a supporter of abortion rights. Um, and so these are these are all things that the Constitution doesn't really talk about or uh, give you leeway to redefine marriage or any of that other stuff. They just begin to legislate things based on their political sway and viewpoints and uh, what you'll what you would see um, if let's just play a what if game real quick. If Donald Trump uh, nominates a strict constructionist, which he 
is bound to do. He he probably will. If that strict constructionist ends up uh, being confirmed in the Senate and getting that Supreme Court seat, and if Donald Trump gets reelected, and if the Republicans keep the Senate, what you're going to see is the the left i think anyway what you'll see is that the the left is sure it's going to be nasty right there there's all it's already nasty the the tactics and the hatred and the um lies and cover-ups and all the things that happen um that are very real right it's 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 already a thing but what you'll see is the the republican ideology um will uh, begin to kind of take over where over time, over the course of my lifetime anyway, uh, it has been a slow progression toward the left, a slow progression away from biblical ideology, a slow um, decay of biblical morality in America. Um, and uh, I don't know. Uh, it, we'll see, I guess, what happens. Uh, but the thing that I want to bring up here today is that a woman has passed away. And um, this is, it's always a struggle uh, as, um, as a, a believer in America, one of our um, uh, struggles, one of the things that we fight against, one of the things that I've talked about um, several times on this podcast and on the Babbling Pastors podcast that we're involved in, um, is that th- this uh, we tend to struggle with being American first and secondarily Christian. And um, this uh, this is going to be one of those moments— folks, okay, for, for you as a, I'm going to pick on you, and I'm going to, uh, hopefully, this is convicting a little bit, uh, because I, I get convicted by this idea, too. Um, ha, we're, when, when Justice uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away, um, when that happened uh, on Friday, when that happened Friday, and more importantly, whenever you first heard about it, were your was your first reaction good riddance? Was your first reaction, oh good, now we get a seat in the Supreme Court. Please make it work. Please make it work. Or was there any piece of your reaction that was saddened and um, felt for the family, maybe, or, um, by all, uh, we don't know a person's heart and I'm not going to rush to judgment on a person's heart, but by all, um, evidences that we see there, there really wasn't evidence in, in the, at least the public decision-making of, uh, of this Supreme Court justice that she knew the Lord or chased after him, or um, made decisions and did her job in accordance with um, with his word, um, and so there is um, 
at least the possibility just by what we observe that she did not know the Lord and that she wasn't, uh, that she's not with him right now, right? And so, uh, so is, is your first reaction good riddance, uh, glad she's gone, or, or was there a piece of you that, that just mourned a little bit because there was a soul that, that maybe didn't know Christ that, I mean, did you see her as just the Supreme Court justice public figure, or, or did you see her at all as a human being that um, maybe didn't know the Lord, and now there's, look, when you die, that's it. That's final. Game over, right? And there's no respawning. There's no amount of work that anyone here can do for you. The Mormons practice uh, baptism of the dead, or for the dead, rather, where uh, someone goes in and says the name, or you kind of give the name of this uh, person from your ancestry, and you get baptized for them, and then that therefore saves them. And look, when you're dead, let's be real about it. Scripture teaches that when you're dead, it's over. There's no coming back from it. There's no, oh, I need to trust Jesus now. This is hot, right? That That's not what happens. Jesus' own example with the rich man and Lazarus uh, tells us that. His his own uh, example of, of the rich man uh, being in this position and saying, uh, you know, uh, like he, he understood there's nothing I can do now, but, but uh, please, please let Lazarus go and talk to my family or, or the people that I knew and, and tell them, warn them. And, and uh, the response to, to the rich man was, look, you didn't believe. You wouldn't have believed if someone came to you. And so uh, it is what it is kind of, right? Like the, there's this finality that happens at, at our death that it, it doesn't get undone. We will have we will face a final judgment one day. We talked about some of that this past weekend and our adult Sunday school, the journey through the Apostles' Creed that we're taking, and um, how Jesus is going to come from the right hand of the Father and judge the living and the dead. Um, but so th- there is some there is a, a judgment that is coming. But make no mistake, when you die here. Um, there is nothing further that anyone or you can do to change the outcome of that judgment day. It is set in stone. So, so with that in mind, right, with that in, in your head, is there, when you see someone around you, whether it be this public figure like we're talking about today or anyone, are there people in your life that if, if they passed away or, or if they have passed away that you're kind of saying, well, good riddance, I'm glad they're out of my way, they were a hindrance, they were uh, a jerk to me, or, or is there a piece of you that goes, oh my goodness, Father, have mercy on us and and like this is final whatever whatever Ruth Bader Ginsburg is uh dealing with right now is it there's no going back there's no changing your decisions now there's no there's no amount of mourning or screaming or uh um being uh there's no amount of terror you're experiencing, no amount of anything that's going to change the outcome of the decision of the God of the universe. 
And so do you mourn for her? Do you, does it break you a little bit inside to see someone um, pass away that, that at least by outward evidences, um, at the public persona, the decision-making at her job, which was very influential, obviously, um, by those things, if, if that's the evidence that we have, uh, there's a very good chance that she was not a Christian, that she did not know Christ. And if that's the case, is the right response for us to say good riddance? Is the right response for us to say, good, she's getting what she deserves now? Or is the right response to, to mourn, to be broken, and to begin to take more seriously praying for the leaders that we have now, even the ones you don't like. Because those those leaders, all of the people that we see in the news all the time getting interviewed that we either love or hate, depending on their side, those are real people with real families and real struggles and real temptations, and they will really be in heaven or hell. Right, So do we pray for them? Do we care at all about what they go through, who they are? Do we care at all about their soul? Do we care? Do we want at all to see the miraculous happen and to see someone who hates God in heaven someday because they came to not hate God, because God intervened and, and saved them from their sins and from their despair? Is that what we want to see? Or do we just want to continue being American before Christian? Hmm. I don't know. Think about it.